Hello and welcome to the Zero Shoulds Given podcast hosted by me, Anna Lehan. And me, Yvonne Murray. This is your weekly no-nonsense, unfiltered, mentally healthy podcast. It's time to stop shooting on ourselves. Let's jump straight into this week's episode. So, um, hello and welcome back to the Zero Shoulds Given podcast, um, episode 19. Uh, today we're joined by Paul McCarthy, um, the host of Hello My Friends Seminars and Retreats that nearly get a mention on F- every episode of uh, <laughs> this podcast at this stage because I have a lot that I personally get from attending the seminars and again the retreat recently in January. Um, so hello Paul, welcome. It's a uh, different that I'm hosting you I suppose um, this time around. Thanks Yvonne, thanks Anna, thanks both of you for having me on the call, thank you. Um, so thanks, for people that don't know you Paul, do you want to just give us a, um, a brief uh, synopsis I suppose of where you grew up and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, um, my name is Paul McCarthy, I'm from the north side of the city. I grew up in a place called uh, Hollyhill. Uh, a lot of people might know it as Nottinghamie. And um, some amazing memories uh, growing up there. I had an amazing uh, mother and father who done everything for me. And I think a lot of my, uh, a lot of my grassroots was seeing how hard they worked. I remember my dad was um, a window cleaner, many different uh, jobs. I remember going out every single day when he was coming home, asking how much money he made and um, seeing my mum cleaning and and walking to the south side to clean houses and come back and what they did to provide for us as uh, kids was unbelievable my dream as a kid was to be able to buy a bar of chocolate and, and kind of cook worrying about money and still to this day when i do that i get a buzz out of it so it's um and uh, so i'm very i'm very grateful to come from where i come from uh, because it taught me a lot i remember young if you would know butter or milk you knock at the next door and you'd ask and it'd be no problem and still to this day our neighbours, Brady, they're all still up there. I called my mum and dad was every single day and it's still the same, you know. So it's uh, an amazing place to live and I'm very proud of it. Uh, but what happened me and my brothers and sisters is that in that neighbourhood, which was very tough, I started in Kilcairn Close and then I went over to Arcullen, to friends over in Arcullen and stuff. And then, then I went down to Hollyville and it was like, it was like a migration to, um, it, as we say, more addiction and more addiction. But what happened... I ended up in a place called a tarmac. A lot of people would know it. It's up at the reservoir in Holly Hill. And I seen a lot of things I shouldn't have seen as a kid. I seen a lot of people getting into uh, crime, uh, getting into um, addiction, drugs, drink, and a lot of stuff. And as a kid, I didn't understand how the mind worked. I didn't understand that what you, you're coming, you become a product of your environment. And as a kid, I looked up to all these people uh, in and out of jail, and I thought it was very normal. And what I've seen, I've seen things as a kid that no kid should see, you know, and um, and what happened to me is that as the years went on, is that uh, from a very young, young age, I got caught up in addiction and nearly everybody I was with got caught up in addiction too. So it was very normal to be caught up in addiction. There was nothing abnormal about taking drink and drugs all in one. And that's from a very, very young age. And what happened, I just did what everybody else done. And I had a great time. I enjoyed what I'd done uh, out in the weekends. And it progressed and it progressed. And at the age of 16, like, I was destroyed. I remember I worked for a fantastic company called Coca-Cola. I never knew what a panic attack was. And I was going down to Little Island one day. And next thing I told the driver, please stop the truck. I jumped out of the truck. I put my face to the grass. And I thought I was getting a heart attack. And that was the start of my journey, being out of the hospital. And for the next few years... 
after nearly every single bender, I'd be in hospital. And the doctors, like, they always knew I was a good person. Like, I always knew as a kid I was a good person. I always knew I had good ways about me. I would, I would have done things to contradict that, but I knew from the core I was a good person. The doctors took pity on me. They said, Paul, listen, stay away from the drink, stay away from the drugs, and you'll be fine. And I says, I know. And uh, then the week later, I go back in where I grew up in Hollyville, where I still have very fond memories, like as well, and some still very good friends up there who didn't get out of addiction, unfortunately, but they're still good friends. And um, they used to call me the new man. So after every single bender, I didn't drink every day, but when I drink, it'd be three or four days without going home. And my poor mother and father waiting for me at home. And I didn't understand it because everyone was doing it. But when I drink, I would drink till the body gave up on me. And then when I used to be a Saturday night, let's say in Henry's was a big thing back in our day, and you go back to a party, when I see people going home at three o'clock in the morning, I honestly thought there was something wrong with them. I said, why would you go home and leave the party when it's just beginning? I was already thinking of the early house. And that's the way it was. And I even remember getting into the early house with ID because I was so young. And I even looked younger than what I was and getting in there and thought it was brilliant. I remember another day in Coca-Cola, as my addiction was progressing, there was a driver called Alan, lovely guy. We were up in Tipperary. And every stop along the way, I was hiding, going in and drinking and, 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 and taking substances. And he said to me, they used to call my nickname was Charlie. He used to say, um, Charlie, you're such a nice person. Like, why do you have to drink the way you drink? And I said to him, Alan, not the only way I can explain that to you. He says, what? I says, you have a child, don't you? He says, yes. What would you do if someone hit your child? He said, I would kill him. I goes, that's the way I need to drink. I goes, I can't explain it to you. I just, all I know is that when I drink, this compulsion takes me over and I can't stop. I said, I want to go home. I want, I want to go home to my, at the time, uh, my wife and there was a child at home and I really wanted to go home and I couldn't go home. And, uh, and he says, and I says, I, I can't explain it. And what happened to me was on the 23rd of January, 2004, uh, I was inside a pub called Charlie's inside town in early house. If you told me that morning, I'd been in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous that night. I would have said you were crazy. I remember going home that night to my dad. They were all looking for me. I'd been missing for a week. Uh, I, I had on my Coca-Cola uniform. At that stage, I was out and it was crazy. I looked at my dad and said, Dad, I think it's time. And what's pretty, what's pretty crazy about this is that my dad is 40 years sober, just gone in December, right? My dad got sober when I was five. All the members used to hang around in my house. I never thought I was an alcoholic. I knew I was a drug addict, but I didn't know it was the same thing as addiction. I was so naive to it. So all the members were there. So my dad rang my uncle, and it was actually 20 years ago, just gone in 23rd of January, brought me to my first meeting. And this is very important, especially if you are listeners online, because through my darkest day was my biggest breakthrough, I didn't know it. So mine was addiction. Yours could be food. Yours could be gambling. Yours could be thinking, which is the biggest addiction. So it doesn't matter what it is, but if you're going through a tough time right now, it could be the biggest breakthrough because if you go through life for hardly no pain, you just go out of life for hardly no pain. But the more pain you go through, the more ability as a person and the more breakthrough you'll go for. And so when I went into a meeting that night, I remember coming home to my dad and saying, Dad, I thought at the end of my drinking, I was a schizophrenic. I read it because my thinking was, I was full of fear full of anxiety, but if you saw me in the pub, you would probably see me arguing with someone. But I know today that, that that anger was protecting my fear and anxiety. I didn't know it because nobody teaches this in school. So I came up to my dad and said, Dad, all I am is an alcoholic. And for me, 
my journey began there. And I was 25 years of age. I was the first of all my friends to break away. All my friends were still in addiction. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life because in my family, there's a lot of addiction in my family, my brothers and sisters, and we're a very close family. They were going through their, their journey of addiction too. But I was, I was the fella that the th my thinking went a bit crooked on me. I didn't understand it. And in AA, I would have done anything. They told me to go to meetings every day. I went to three meetings a day. That's 21 meetings a week for a long time because up here, this is what I didn't understand. And this is what I, th I, I think everybody should be taught in school. My brain was about 3,000 miles an hour. I couldn't shut off my brain from thinking. And my brain was going so fast. Without the drinking drugs, I thought I should be okay. But what started to happen to me was that my brain was getting faster without the substances. And uh, a while into recovery, it was actually a year and a half, I was at home. In recovery, they speak about something called the higher power. You call it what you want. Some people call it Jesus. Some people call it Buddha. But the way I explain this to anybody listening, because when you hear this, you say, oh, God, that's religious, isn't that? Uh, a, very, a very close person came to me during the last year, and they said they were an atheist, okay? I said, no problem. I said, can I ask you a few questions? He goes, no problem. I goes, you know when you breed at night time, who does your breeding? He goes, don't answer the question. I goes, no, if you get a cut in your hand, who heals it? I goes, don't answer the question. He goes, finally. You know the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth? Obviously, there's some kind of energy or power that makes all that happen. He goes, courses. I goes, stop, that's it. Whatever, whatever you call that power, it doesn't matter. That's the power. And in my early days in recovery, if that was explained to me the way I just explained it there, I was like, whoa. So I was so desperate trying to get some power into my life because I, in, in the fellowship, they said, there's a power greater than you. And I, 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 did, I remember the church being sent as my mother. Saying, you know, I didn't understand anything about all this stuff. And I wanted to believe in something because I was in so much pain, but nobody was able to kind of guide me the way I needed the hair at the time. But what happened to me was that on this morning, I was crying at home, grown man crying. And anyone knows me, I wouldn't be a guy to cry much, but not even I'm crying, I just wouldn't be one of these people. And I was in so much pain in my head. I got on my knees and said, there's something up there, please help. I was passing vibes and scribes that day with tears in my eyes in a Coca-Cola van. Something told me to go into the shop. I went into the shop. I said to the lady, I said, please give me the best spiritual book you have. She picked up the book called The Power of Now. Because this book is an amazing book. It's one of the most sold books in the world right now. I remember going, going home and saying to my family after reading 10 pages, this is the book I was looking for all my life. It spoke about the voice in the head. And what this book spoke about is that there's a voice in the head and there's this negative entity in the head that doesn't stop. And I've never heard it explained this way. So it took me a while to understand it. But basically what I was explaining is this. I'll just give you an analogy for the viewers online. All right? Can the viewers see me or can you just hear me on the podcast? No, it'll be just hearing you on the podcast. Okay, so what I do so, yeah. just because my analogy will, will, will reflect that, okay? Yeah. So if you can't hear. So for all the listeners, right, this is very important, okay? I want you to think of, um, let's say you have a child. If you haven't got a child, think of a nephew. And you've got a phone call to the principal and you were told your nephew or your child is being expelled tomorrow. So that's a thought. Your analytical brain will say, I hope it'll be okay tomorrow. And maybe it wasn't my child. Maybe it was the other child. And by the time tomorrow comes, you're exhausted from all the strategies you're trying to do to get your child or nephew out of trouble. So this is where most people live. Most people live in the analytical mind. He said this and she said that and they can't stop thinking. No, when you stand back and observe that analytical mind, 
what happens when you shine your awareness on you and lift the mind, what happens is that your thinking stops. And what happens when your thinking stops, you create a gap in between the stream of your thoughts. And when you create a gap in between the stream of your thoughts, your true authentic self is there, which is love. And when I started practicing these simple techniques, uh, for, I didn't understand them at the start, but what, what happened to me, there was this warm feeling came inside me. I didn't know back then, it was just peace. I always thought peace was in money. I always thought peace was in relationships. Peace was in food. Because every single thing that you and me do, we do it for one reason. We believe it's going to make us feel better. I'm going to the shop to get some food. I'm going for a walk with my partner. I'm going to the cinema. Uh, I'm going training. See, what happens is your ego, which is a false sense of self, is always trying to get to a future moment. When human beings first came into civilization, what, if they, let's say if there was schools, then there's a problem. They think about it once, and then they deal with it the next day. But what's after happening, human beings, over hundreds of thousands of years and conditioning, instead of us using the mind, the mind is using us. So the biggest disease we face in the world right now is not what you're hearing on the news. It's a racing brain. People can't stop thinking. Like I say to people a lot in seminars and retreats, when was the last time you sat down at home, turned off the lights, no phone, and just relaxed? Your partner would come in and say, who's after passing away? You say, no, I'm just having a great time. It's so <laughs> crazy and it's so funny, but it's so normal to live in a, in, in a world where we're all we're on 100 miles an hour. Another analogy I'll give you is this. Most people get up in the morning, they brush their teeth. They're brushing their teeth, they can't wait to be in the car. They're in the car, they can't wait for lunchtime. They're at lunchtime, they can't wait to get home. They're watching the box set before they know they're in the bed. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire on the social welfare. That's called a rat race. Most people are can't wait to get to the next moment. This is a trick. This is not who you are. Your ego, a false sense of self, is after tricking you into believing that the next moment is more important than this moment. And every human being is suffering from it. So when you start to understand how the body works and how the mind works, what happens? You start slowing the thoughts down. Another brilliant uh, technique for your listeners is this. Everyone on the call right now, do, do this with me, right? No matter where you are in the world, right? Just bring your awareness to your feet on the ground. Now, bring your awareness to you sitting on your seat. Or if you're standing, bring your awareness to your stomach. Now, keep your awareness now, let's say, on your heart. Just be aware your heart is full of love, full of peace. Just relaxing. Now, what are you thinking about now? You're thinking about your body. Every time you bring your awareness from your head, into your body, you create something called a gap in between the stream of your thoughts. Every time you create a gap in between the stream of your thoughts, your true self is there. See, this is the illusion. The only thing that's wrong with you and me is that we're identified with the thoughts and our emotions. I am sad. I am happy. You're neither sad, you're neither happy. These are emotions that we get attached to. So these simple, simple techniques, once you start understanding them, once you start learning them, that's the beginning of freedom. And the only reason that you're in this incarnation is to discover who you are. Can I ask Paul what it was like for you to implement these things initially? You know, like you got the book, you started learning these techniques. But I, I know myself personally, but also from other people that I speak to, that it can be quite hard to, I suppose, get on, get into that or to be able to slow down, you know, to be able to create that awareness or that that gap. So how was that for you? I'm just curious. That's Sounds like you brilliant. nailed it, but like, you know, no, <laughs> wondering what it was it, like initially. It, it's a brilliant question because I didn't nail it. What happened, okay? Uh, in, in the fellowship of A, right, you, you can never break anybody's anonymity, but you can break your own. So I'm breaking my own, right? 
So I won't break the next person's because it wouldn't be right. So what happened to me in this book, I got the book. I didn't understand the power now at all. Ron. I understand some things, but I didn't understand how to absorb his thoughts, especially. There was another, not, another friend of mine. I gave him the book. He was in the army, right? He understood the book way better than me. He taught me the book. So I spent months and months on Family Hill after meeting every night with him, and I wouldn't even go home. How does this work? And he was saying, absorb the thought. I said, by the time I absorb the thought, the thought's gone. My thinking was too fast. So this is, so a technique that I got very fast was the anchor, bringing my awareness into my stomach, bringing my awareness into my hands and my fingers. And what happens when you start bringing your awareness into your fingers and your feet? After a while, you start getting a tingly sensation. That means your body's starting to wake up for the first time. Now, let me give you another technique that I got fast. When you breathe in through your nose and out through your nose, you actually bring in more nitric oxide. So do you ever breathe through your mouth? You, you actually go to breath. So when you breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, you can't think. So when you're aware of your breathing, you're actually stopping thinking. Now, another technique for you, when you're going for a walk with your friends after, pay attention to every single step you take. When you pay attention to every step you take, you're not thinking. Now, watch this. How did martial arts start? Martial arts started from movement. So when you go after to take a cup to drink it, be aware of drinking, drinking the tea out of the cup of the water. That's called the joy of being. So when you're aware of the movement of your hands, it's like magic starts to happen. Know you're fully in the moment. Example, if you watch tennis, the two biggest players in the world, let's say Roger Federer and Andre Agassi playing a game. Even if you're not into tennis and it's the final, it's only a ball going from court to court, but the whole world is watching, right? Two people in the moment. If, you, if you're into hurling and you're going to watch Cork and Kilkenny in the final, you're so intense, why? The people on that pitch are not thinking about their partners at home. Yeah. If you watch Mike Tyson in the, in, in the ring, we're all on, on edge. Conor McGregor, why? They're in the moment. But you don't need to go to the county final to be in the moment. You can be in the, the joy of being right now. So when you learn these simple texts to actually embrace this body, this body, and live, in, li live with it and become in harmony with it, what happens? The name of the game in life, and there's only one reason we're in this incarnation, it's to rise above thought. But what happens to us, we're rising below thought. Example, you ever start watching one box that is enjoyable, then you watch 10, you're exhausted. You eat one biscuit, it's lovely. You eat the packet, you're wrecked. You, you, when you, oh, every addiction starts with pleasure, but ends in pain. So when you learn to observe your thoughts, know you're in control. So no, no longer do thoughts control you. See, we are the longest surviving species through the history of time. Like what separates us from the animal kingdom, and people don't even know, it, is our intellectual faculties, imagination, reason, will, memory. So, so we are the first PC through the history of time to have a frontal lobe to be able to create and be able to dream. And what's happening to happen in most people is that their imagination is of poverty. It's like, I'm not good enough. He said this and, I, and she said that. So when you start learning to dream again, because like, like, let me ask the audience this question. And I'm asking you a question of everyone in the audience. I want you to pause and answer yourself. Why do you get up out of bed every morning? Pause. There was a study done in America, Earl Nightingale done it. Out of every 20 people they asked, 19 didn't know why they got up in the morning. Let me ask you another question. What's the two most, two most important days of your life? You'll get the first one, the day you were born. What's the second one? Nobody gets it. The day you realize you were born, your gift. Every single human being has a gift. There's, 
like before human beings, there was Neanderthals, there was different species, like there was the animal kingdom, but they hadn't got the imagination. 150 years ago, there was two brothers, the Wright brothers said, we're going to put a plane in the sky. See, everything starts with a thought. And people thought they were crazy, wanted to lock them up. Now we take planes for granted. Edison says, I'm going to light up the world. See, if every great invention started with a thought. Elon Musk now is saying he's going to put cars in the sky. I know we're starting to believe that. So, so you as a human being have so much potential. That's why Abraham Hicks says it doesn't matter if you're creating a button or a castle. It's your belief in it. So, so what's the belief of thought you keep thinking? You're a product of your thoughts. The thought you've been thinking for the past three months is watching your life today. If you want to change the next three months, you've got to change your thoughts today. So, so this stuff, right? This stuff becomes like, like, like a hobby. It comes like it becomes like your way of living. Because think about it. Nobody gets up in the morning and wants to be demented. But what happened, we're conditioned. And there's a, there's a group called the Jesuits. They said, give me a boy for seven years and I'll give you a man. The, the first seven years were all the programming is. And without going into too deep on it, the first seven years are in something called theta frequencies, hypnosis. So the conversations that your parents had, the conversations that your school teachers had, if they said you're sure, you believe you're shy. The first seven years, you have no left and right brain. You're just in the subconscious. You're being programmed by your community. Now, a way to understand this is this. If we all put on the computer in 1990, what could we do with it? Nothing. Why? There was no apps. Over time, you got Google Chrome, Facebook, Instagram. When you come into this world, you're like an empty computer. You're subconscious. You're being programmed by your parents, their grandparents, and it's nobody's fault. So if there's negative conversation going on in your house, that's, that's your program. And a lot of people, after eight, your program is formed. And people go through the rest of their life living from that program, that inner child. Yeah. But just, just simple tools and techniques how to change that program. And the most, the most important one and the most simple one is the story you tell yourself. When you get up in the morning, you do you know what? Today is going to be a good day. Look at the world and see the opportunity. And at the start, it might be a struggle. Like, I remember doing this at the start. I was 5% positive, 95% negative, then 10% positive, then 20%, then 30%. See, you don't get what you, what you want. You get what you are. So everything's about frequency. So as you think thoughts, thoughts affect the way you feel. So it's when you feel hard, good, yeah, and that's it. What happens is that you just, you just touch off it. Like what I do with my kids at home, we go to bed every night and I go in and I got a lot of my ways from here, which I'm very grateful for. I do my prayers every night and I go down next to my kids. And like I got kids from 25 to 19 to 13 and 11. So I do now with a 13 and 11 year old, okay? We sit down, do it prayers, and I'd say, what three things are you grateful for today? Three, three things. Then I'd say, Evan, uh, when's the most important thing to be positive? He said, nighttime. I said, why? I said, I said, why, Evan? Because it's the last thought before you go, the last thought you think before you go to sleep. See, a lot of people don't realize this. If you have somebody in your head of resentment, you don't like somebody. Well, if you think about that in the last five minutes, you're going back into theater frequency. You're sleeping with that person in your head for the next eight hours. Mm. So then I'd say to him, when's the next time to be most positive? He said, in the morning, Dad. I said, why? Because it's the first thought of the day. So what I do very gradually and very simply, I bring this into my kids, but I make a humor. We, we make fun of it. We make, we make, we make a laugh of it. So anybody on the call hearing this for the first time, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're already down the road and doing some of it anyway. Like, start the journey. Like, start the journey. You might listen to someone who's very good at the start of someone called Louise Hay. She's very gentle with affirmations. Bob Proctor is very good at explaining the program. Abram Hicks is very good at explaining thought. So you'll gravitate who you like. But what yeah. I say to everybody, start the journey because once you start this journey, it's all about 
basically getting a bit more positive. We're not getting people here positive this year, and that's for somebody else, that's for Americans or something like that. If not, it's about you because the only thing that you and me want is to feel good. Everything you do in your life, you believe is going to make you feel better. We just get up in the morning, we go to work, we want to pay the bills and come home. That's all we really want. I thought for years it was about making more money and doing this and this and that. But at the end of the day, you can't bring it with you. At the end of the day, money pays the bills, of course. But we just want a bit of peace. And all this stuff that I'm talking about gives you a bit of peace. Yeah, and I suppose it's about finding what works for you. Like, you know, when you're talking about like Bob Proctor, you know, teaches it this way. And you were saying about your friend kind of read the book to you or thought the book to, mm-hmm. to you in a certain way. Because I suppose for a lot of people it, it, in the clients I work with and myself as well, the books can sometimes be a barrier. You know, if you pick it up and you're like, Jesus, that's totally over my head. I don't get that mm-hmm. at all. But like you say, it's to- having conversations about it. It Maybe it's watching YouTube clips. Maybe it's going to seminars. And it, you'll find a way that you can absorb it. But like, it's not, I think sometimes just reading the book can be a barrier in itself. A hundred percent. You, well you know, that's not how you learn. I yeah. Getting that. That's a, not how a lot, I learn. Yeah. A lot of people as well, like don't like books, as you said. A lot mm. of people prefer Audible like seminars, retreats, or whatever works for you. That's 100%. Mm-hmm. Some, I know some people who do not like Bob Proctor, but they love Wayne Dyer. So that's what I say to people. Whoever you like, yeah. whatever I say, do it. Just do it, you know? Yeah, find a way. Mm, exactly. And just to jump in there as well regarding the thoughts, like it, it is like a lot of people do have racing brains, even they mightn't even realize it, but they're constantly on the go thinking of what's next, what they need to do. And I think the big thing for me um was even when I recognized that my my head was gone I was like whoa like come back that's coming back to the presence like realizing that your mind has gone elsewhere so even that alone just brings you back and it'll probably go again within another few minutes but the more times you you catch it I think was a big kind of game changer for me and something that I'm more aware of now that's huge because every time Every time you realize you're not present, as you said, mm. you are present. And then the yeah. gaps get wider and wider. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's meeting that without judgment as well, you know, because I think there can be a lot of, oh, for God's sake, I'm after drifting away again. It's like, oh, no, actually, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Not something to self-criticize. Because that's awareness as well. Yeah. See, even realizing is, what you said, is awareness again. So yes. it's, it's, it's huge progress because I thought at the start, I wasn't getting the observer. I said, I'm never going to get it. Mm. But... Unknowns to myself, I was getting it. It just took me a bit longer than my friend. Yeah, yeah. And we're all different. I actually love what you said about the last thought at night. And that's something I try and practice. You know, like if you have a a conversation with somebody during the day and it's playing on your mind or whatever, and then you get into bed and you're thinking about it and you're like, come here, <laughs> out of bed now. <laughs> you're not welcome in here. <laughs> Do you know, like, so it is such a good point. Like, just don't be bringing them into bed with you. Exactly. There's no place there. <laughs> it's the same way we mentioned before about uh, the people on the phone if you're on your phone before you're in bed you're bringing them into bed as well with you so yeah yeah, a lot of people keep out the bed (laughs) exactly exactly um I suppose moving on Paul like a a big we have well I say we I suppose we is probably the good word to use because I feel like I am part of the hello my friend community um do you want to dive a bit into that of when that started and how it has exploded to like regular seminars and retreats and I suppose just to drop it in here about the live show in the Opera House on March 23rd um like 
it's amazing to be part of the community and seeing it grow. But for me, obviously, I learn a lot from yourself, but it's been with similar like minded people that we can have these conversations amongst each other um, to talk about goals and like mindset. And like if we're feeling a bit like stalled at the moment, it's a great pick me up and it has has bled into other areas as well. So I suppose just for Anna and for our listeners, just to bring us back a bit of how did Hello My Friend start and how it has got to where it is today. Uh, thank you. Um, Hello My Friend started in the 23rd of January, 2004. Uh, announced, announced to myself the first day I walked into recovery. Uh, and then as I said with the power now, and over the years, GSP people call up to my house, we sit down, I used to explain the power now to them. If I saw a man or woman in the meeting demented, I'd actually run and give him the book. People were running away from me. They said, Jesus, he's gone crazy. Nobody was ready for the book. And I thought everybody could, could get what I had. I got so much peace from that book. It transformed my life. I knew from that day for the rest of my life, I'd be involved in this information. I knew it. So that's, so over the years, I was always talking to people. I was always helping people. But a big change for me came in, in 2009. I was asked to go to a seminar. I got involved in this health product. They sell it now inside them. Sam McCall is called Revive Active. It's in the large room. I was selling a large room back in, nobody knew about it, back in 2008. So I understand that a large room probably practically prevents a heart attack because it clears your arteries. Because what a heart attack is basically clacking decay and negativity and lifestyle and behavior. So this product is good. So I was involved in this product. And with this company, they do a lot of seminars and stuff. So I went along. There was a gentleman came called Stephen McGowan. I said, how is this man going to control the room? He looked about two years of age, seriously. He was that good looking. And look way younger than what he was. And next thing, my friend Declan says, wait till he speaks. And I goes, there's a lot of big intimidate men in the room now, a lot of big crowd. Next thing, he started speaking about thoughts and about thoughts or things. And I goes, what? For years, all I knew was Edgar Foley explaining how to relax, how to come into the present moment. I knew nothing about law of attraction, Nothing about running the burn and the secret. And this man started shouting things about thoughts going through the room right now. Who owns the thoughts? And I said, what thoughts? He goes, <laughs> you want it. He goes, he goes, does Anna own them, let's say? Does Yvonne own them? And I said, I was so confused. And he says, the way you feel thoughts stick onto you. He said, so when you're vibrating on a high frequency, them thoughts stick onto you. When you're on a low frequency, and I was blown away. Mm. So what happened to me, I said, I'm going to have some fun. If this stuff is true, I says, what I learned from the power now, Putting it to this, I said, I'm going to have some fun. And I did. It took me all over the world, some of the biggest highs in my life, some of the biggest lows in my life, okay? And I had great fun. And I did some amazing things in my personal life, in my business life, and I went to some amazing highs, okay? But as I said, amazing lows. I took a drink then after 12 years. So I was doing very well with all this stuff, and I had some highs and lows, as so, so is life. I took a drink in 2000, and, um, and this is a big turning point in Hello, My Friend, I didn't know it then. So I took a drink in, in August, um, uh, a family member who wouldn't mind me saying this, they took a drink on the same day after eight years. I took a drink on 12 years and um, I drank for the next few years, for four years actually. So I was all over the world at this stage. I used to be in Asia um, two weeks of every month. I did world tour after world tour after world tour and I went to very big in the field I was in. Can I just and, start uh, now, Paul? Can I just ask, when you say you were all around the world working, was it doing this type of work or was it uh, separate? Good, good, good question. I was doing this type of work, but selling products. So I was always okay. selling a product, right? 
So I was selling products, right? And but I was always doing the law of attraction. I wouldn't be telling the audience, but I was always getting people like in Asia, people love the hug, people love the human touch, they love that community, that bond. So anything I sold, I always believed in what I was selling. Okay. But because I believed in what I was selling, I went to number one in the world in a huge industry, a billion dollar industry, two years in a row, right? So isn't that maybe another story that I don't go into too much, but I went, I went very big anyway, right? Okay. From what I'd done. But in the meantime, I was falling apart because I was back in my addiction. So it was very hard for me to come away from this industry because financially I was doing very well. But the balance of life, there's your health, there's your family, and there's your business. So one was going great, but my and one was falling apart, which is my health. And I was abroad, I was helping my family financially, but I wouldn't have been there as much. So uh, it was August 2019, uh, I left that industry overnight, and uh, I came home and I said, I have to get my, my health back on track. And I said to my sister, uh, Yvonne, who's just been a huge influence in my life, and uh, that um, I'm going back meditating. I said, the only time I meditated for two years without stopping was when I picked up the power over the first time. Over the years, I never consistently meditated. I might meditate for two weeks, stop for two weeks. Yeah. So what I did, came into this office full of pain. I was in an awful place. I, I, I used to speak on stages in front of thousands of people for a living. I couldn't open my mouth in a meeting in 2019. I lost my confidence and mm. uh, my head was down and my health was on the floor. I was in all the hospitals and stuff like that. And I was falling apart inside. And I said to Yvonne, I'm going to give this everything I got. I'm going to actually go into this office every day where I'm sitting right now. It was a different layout before. And I meditated every morning I got told. And what happened then? My brother came in after a few weeks. He goes, do you mind if I join the meditation? He goes, no problem. Then my buddy Mickey came in. Do you mind if I join the meditation? Then we had some meditations. And at the end of the meditation, I started talking. And next thing, they said, we actually, before you're talking, next thing what happened, my sister begged me, she goes, will you do a seminar in the office? I goes, a seminar about what? Well, you have no idea what's inside your head. Each what's in your head. And I goes, I really didn't understand that. I goes, what's in my head? I was always selling a product. I always was selling a product in different companies and I, didn't, I, I did it in about 10 different industries. So I, I was always able to give me a product I believe in and I could bring in volume to it. That's just, was, it, was my, it was my strength. And I knew that. But I goes, what am I going to speak about in the seminar? Just speak about what's in your head, please. So we got a seminar, 22 people on the 8th of October, 2020. They came in, there's 22 people. All we could do was a circle. And next I started speaking about all this stuff. And next thing, one thing led to another, and it blew up. And next thing, they, I, I, went to, I went to retreats since 2009. It was my first day one. But my first three-day one was in March 2010. So my mentor, Stevie McGowan, I just got his retreats. And then I've been all over the world. Abram Hicks's retreats, uh, Bob Proctor, John Asavad. So I was going all over the world to all these retreats. And people said, why are you doing this? I said, you're going to have to explain. It's like me saying to you, if you drink a bottle of wine for the first time, you get that lovely feeling. I can't explain that to someone unless you've done it. When you go to retreat, when you come home after three-day retreat, like Yvonne can testify to this now on the call. The, the, the Yvonne McCarthy's my sister, Yvonne Murray now on the call, I'm saying here. She just came to retreats. When you come away from the retreat, I tell everybody, the first day you'll probably be anxious, but the last day you won't want to come home. I've rarely gone to a retreat that anybody wanted to come home for the next few days. Because the way you feel is like it's like you lost 10 stone, but you actually put up weight because the food you eat up there, right? <laughs> You lost, you lost I can test it that's bag- still trying to lose it. <laughs> you, you, you lose 10 stone and baggages of your life, drama and stuff like that. So what happened then, we did our first full day seminar in the Radisson. And then we went on 
in January 2022 did our first retreat. And since then, we've done eight retreats. And and for a lot of this, I wasn't on social media. See, I built a career on social media. I, if you were talking to me before on the phone, I wouldn't talk to you. Look at what's up? The, I'd, I'd, I'd about 2 million people in, in my network around the world. So I was dealing with Colombia, I was dealing with Vietnam, I was dealing with Brazil, Nigeria. It was yeah. crazy. So you, to get my time was very hard. So I'd be talking as I'm talking on the phone. I was obsessed with social media. I was obsessed with the phone. I, I couldn't put it away. I was obsessed with money. I was obsessed with work uh, and stuff like that. So I was caught up in all the wrong stuff. And what happened to me then was that when, when, when I was off social media, I was going to these the seminars and a very good friend of mine, uh, Roy, uh, I was trying to get him to come to a meeting with me. And next thing, um, I, I said, will you not come to a meeting with me? And he goes, Paul, I'm not ready. He goes, so you do me a favor. Send me that positive message that you put in your family group every day. So I love Abram Hicks. So I was putting these messages to him. But Abram Hicks speaks about vibration and frequency. And he goes, what frequency? And I say to him, hello, my friend. And then I, I break down frequency in a simple way. That frequency, as you think, taught, affects the way you feel. And when you feel good, you're, you're, you're putting a frequency out into the universe. Then the universe gives you back situations, circumstances, events to match what you're putting out. So I started breaking these things down to him. He goes, Jesus, but they're brilliant. He goes, do you mind if I send that to my friend? Then what happened? These boys must have gone all over the world and nobody knew who Hello, My Friend was. Nobody knew. So they were saying, who's the face behind Hello, My Friend? So it was crazy. So everyone was begging me to go back in social media. And I wouldn't do it. I said, no, no, no. I've been there before. So people would come to the seminar saying, this is like a secret. You have to open this up. And I said, Everyone's welcome. I said, I said, for me, I was always doing this as a hobby. See, I never done this as a business. So I was just going to help the community. And I didn't care where I went. I had no attachment to it. I didn't care if two come to a seminar or a hundred. Still to this day, I want to think, I don't care who comes. If my best friend comes or he doesn't come, doesn't, I don't care. That's the way my attitude is. Whoever comes is meant to be here. So then what happened then? My friend again, Roy, he got COVID. And at the time, everyone had mixed opinions on COVID, right? So each their own, no problem. But I was bringing him to hospital and he was very sick. I mean, no, like he couldn't breathe. And this is a tough man. I mean, I got a fight. I went straight to him because he actually had COVID and he, this is a joke. We went to a boxing match that he was on in the Celtic Cup. He knew going down there, the whole place got it right on the back of him, right? This funny story. So I had it. So I ended up his house, brought him to hospital. I was very fearful. He could not breathe. I mean, he was bad. Like, and next thing, the next day he said to me, I got a huge vision. You blew up on TikTok. And he goes, you know what, Roy? I feel the voice must have done their tongue. And I opened the TikTok account that day. And then what happened then from TikTok, people spoke about getting back on Instagram, getting a social media team in, blah, blah, blah. So it was me and Yvonne and everything. Then we got in Grace, which was a great help to us at the start. And now that's evolved to Fiona and Sinead. And we have a team in. So basically one thing led to another. And what's after happened now, it's kind of after blowing up a bit online. And now, as Yvonne said there, we're on the way to the Opera House. That was another big fear of mine. Another big kind of, uh, will I do it? Will I not do it? Social media is huge fear. So I say to people, listen to this call right now. Whatever your fears are, face them. Because what happens, fear can hold us all back. Like if I never went on social media, if I never, if I never pushed myself, but I had mm -hmm. people to push me as well. Like a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't be getting the content they're getting out. And I'm not saying because I'm giving the content. I'm saying it's the material I'm giving. Like we have a man called Tony Maher. Tony Maher was my barman temple acre. He came into this seminars about two years ago and he tell himself in, in, his, in his mind and his health wasn't great. He was a 74 year old man. Like he could struggle to walk. To walk. He mm. came to a retreat with us and he looked at Crow Patrick and he said, I'm going to climb Crow Patrick. No, but look what's very important here. 
If Tony Mayer never climbed Crow Patrick, he was a success. Why? Because that's the goal. Everyone gets mixed up with goals. A goal is only the destination. It's the journey to the goal, the day-to-day steps. Everybody should have a goal. Everybody should have a dream. And everybody should have a mission. Like, don't leave this planet and look what you can take from it. Look what you can give to it. So what Tony made this goal and dream, a lot of us, whoa. But what did he do? He came back to Cork, got a pair of runners, started walking down the lock. He yeah. started getting out of bed. He started coming to the seminar saying, Paul, do you know what? I'm like a new man. He went down to Denny's gym, started training every day, started walking Fairhill, started walking Strawberry Hill. And you know, a few months ago, 40 of us got on a bus and we went up and climbed Crop Patrick with Tony Mann. And I said, when I got to the top of that mountain, I always have a goal and I always get people together and say a few words. I was lost for words. I couldn't believe myself we got there. Yeah. And oh, going up there, his family gave him a guard of honour and they gave a speech. Like, Tony Mann done that. That impacted people all over the world. On the back of that, my dad, my dad, who couldn't do that walk because his chest was so bad. My dad now is in the gym with Tony five days a week. Right now, my dad's after losing nearly three stone. My dad's goal and the retreat was just done with Yvonne. He's climbing Crow Patrick now. He climbed, he, he, my dad couldn't walk up a small hill a few months ago. He walked up Strawberry Hill last week. So, so what happens, right? When people say to me, they don't have no goals or dreams. I say, listen, these are 76-year-old men. Like, yeah. don't wait 30 years to live today. Today is the day. And that's what Hello My Friend's doing. Hello My Friend is, is not about me. Hello My Friend, I always say we. My sister, my family, my friends, whoever comes, it's for everybody. But what Hello My Friend's doing is helping people relax that voice in the head. And then the dreams and the goals, to get back up out the bed in the morning and have that imagination, to get back up out the bed in the morning. Do you know what? Do you know what? Fuck, I ain't going to go for it. I ain't going to play a full out. I ain't gonna... We have people who've done four shoots. We have people who change careers. We had a girl last week. She sent in a message last week. She's 12 years of age. She said it's after impacting her whole life for her mindset. I did the, I did the Leeds club um, last week, the under-13s. I did the under-12s last week. I'm actually doing the senior team tonight. They don't, tomorrow night, they don't even know they're coming. They're, they're, their manager's bringing them. Turn up my office, they don't know they're, what they're coming to. Oh so, like, so, but this stuff is coming to the kids. And like one of the kids came to the 13s in Leeds recently. He was, how the 12s came. I managed the 12s, and I wasn't doing the 12s, because I don't tell people, come to my seminar because it'd be egotistical. But what happened, the 13s, they approached my sister Yvonne to do a seminar because they're top of the league, the last two games for their conference. So I tailored the seminar for kids. Mm. There was one kid there, blown away, said it changed his life completely. Got on to one of my teammates, the kids I teach. He got on to his dad, who's my, the other manager. I said, Paul, whatever you said last week, you changed my nephew's life. Can you do one for our team? So I done one for the 12 last week. So this stuff needs to come from the kids up because this stuff is for everybody. Everybody. And when you learn, like, if you go to a job interview tomorrow, what happens? They ask you, where'd you come from? I come from Nottingham, red flag. Uh, what school did you go to? Churchfield, red flag. You're judged on where you come from. You're judged on who you are. They don't ask you, how does your conscious mind work? How does your subconscious mind work? What, what frequency? What vibration? But no, the good news is, this stuff is starting to come into schools now. This stuff is starting to spread. And that's, that's the message from Hello, My Friend. Hello, My Friend's mission is to help as many people across the world. And if I didn't face my fears and go back on social media, we'd be still stuck up in the office with the same people. So is it, is it, is it a take up a lot of my time? Yes. Sometimes do I question why I'm doing this? Yes. Sometimes do I want to give up all the time? And only for my <laughs> sister and people behind me saying, Paul, you have to keep going, you have to keep going. Because every time I think about giving up, another testimonial comes in, or another kid has helped, or another person's yeah. mindset helped. And that's what this podcast, what Anna and Yvonne is doing, P2, bringing you content in each week. They're going out of their way, putting all their time into this stuff to give you content to help you. So that's why, for me, like everybody should be around this information.
Yeah, yeah. And what is what's life like now? Like, obviously, this is a huge chunk of time, like you said. Yeah, what, what's going on for you now? Right now, is uh, my biggest thing is balance. Is that, um, uh, let's say, the kids, family life, work. So because, hello, my friend is just a hobby, uh, as in helping out the community and doing what I can do. Uh, I have my business. Uh, and uh, one of my, I'll share this because it's very powerful. Uh, one of my greatest successes was this. In 2017, I was down in Yall, and uh, I was around the world at this stage. I was in the middle of my addiction. And um, when I was traveling around the world, uh, my family was going through, um, my family was going through their own addiction problems and, and were going through their own stuff. And you're, you could be listening to this. You might have no addiction in your family, but you could be going through your own stuff. Everything starts with a thought. I held a vision. And I remember saying to my partner at the time, I was saying, I'm going to do something here completely amazing. And he goes, it's completely out of the box. She goes, what are you going to do? I goes, I'm going to bring all my family together. I goes, how are you going to do that? My brother, who won't mind, who won't, who won't mind me saying this, was actually in a psychiatric plan, psychiatric hospital time, place at time. And he won't mind me saying that. And he wasn't going through a, he wasn't going through a great time in his life. Uh, my son was in another job he didn't like. My sister was a dental nurse, and that wasn't going good. And my other sister, Yvonne, who's always been with me, was down in our place in Granada. My buddy Mickey was traveling around the world with me. I goes, I'm going to bring all them into the same office where I was in Little Island. And at that time, the office I had, you couldn't swing a cat in it. And she goes, what's the product? I goes, I don't have one. But I goes, if I believe in what I'm teaching, I'm going to make this happen. So I had the vision. This is very important. When you have a vision, you, the way the law of attraction works, if you have a vision, but you can't hold on to that vision for more than five seconds, how do you expect it to manifest? So when you have a vision, you have, to, you have to, it's like a magnifying glass. The more focus, the more attention you put there. When you hold on to that dream, you got to believe it with your heart. You got to fall in love with your dream the way you fell in love with your partner for the first time. You got to fall in love with your, with your dream the way you look at your child. And what happened? Oh, yeah, this dream. Do we have challenges? Do we have problems? Do we have ups? Do we have downs? People said you can't work with family, it won't work. Right today, in this moment in time, the whole lot of us work together. Wow. Uh, so that's what I'm doing right now. So, so I don't see work as work. I get up and I jump out of bed in the morning, I come in here. And I work with all my family, my mum and dad, my brothers and sisters. We have a great time. They're all a part of Hello, my friend. And, uh, and I have my kids. And I'm also the manager of the local soccer club. I'm also doing other stuff in the fellowship and stuff like that. So, so my main thing in my life is managing my time and delegation. Before I was control, a control freak, I had to control all the business. I had to control everything. I had to make sure it was the right way. And a very big thing for me, for any listeners online, is this. When I was 25 years of age, I believed all my life from a kid. It was all about money. I thought if you had a certain financial figure, you're going to be happy. Well, when I went into recovery at the start, I had that financial figure and I was demented. No, I had good times with it. Very important. When I picked up the power now, I remember practicing the power now. I remember this peace came into my life. At that stage in my life, I was broke. The reason I'm, the reason I'm saying that because there's ups and downs in life. But I mean, I was broke. I was six months behind my mortgage. I struggled to keep onto my house. I had four kids. I struggled to put food on the table. Literally, I had nothing. Mm. But I was out playing with my son one day. I was happy. And I goes, Jesus, tonight, I always thought money was happiness. Mm. And that was the biggest revelation ever in my life. And I goes, yes, money is, of course, to pay the bills. It's handy. But what I'm saying, this is an inside job. So whatever you are in your life right now, whatever you are, you could be in a financially difficult place. And I know what it's like. At 37 years of age, a few years ago, I lost everything again. So I know what it's like to have the ups and downs and ins and outs and this. And I was doing all this stuff. So I made, I made the wrong choice. My fault. I made a bad investment and I lost again. So like, I know what it's like to have ups and downs. But that's secondary. Whatever you are in your life, it's an inside job. Like you got to work on the inside stuff. 
And when you work on the inside stuff, all the other stuff comes there. Yeah, love that. Inside job. Incredible. And I suppose just before we go, Paul, um, just to leave your Instagram handle here um, at Paul McCarthy or hello, my friend, PMF, isn't it? Um, hello, my friend, PMC. Yeah. PMC, sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And like you offer all free content, the seminars that you run weekly are all completely free as well. And it's a great resource that you give to the community. I know you don't talk much what you give back to the community, but I hear through various other people of things that you donate and um, amongst other things. So you're a big part of the community and even myself, like you've changed my life completely in loads of ways, just being able to understand my thoughts and my feelings and just having the resource that I can reach out to you that I do have a community around me and um you'll never know how much you've you've done for the community that's around you and I, I'm looking forward to the opera house um really excited because we're talking about all this but we actually have a great laugh as well and we might have a boogie or two as well if if the seminars and retreats are anything to go by so it's that's going to be a great night and you deserve all the ex success that's coming to you so thank you so much again for your time today and everything along the way Thanks, Yvonne. I appreciate your kind words and thanks very much, Anna, too. I really enjoyed the, the chat. No bother. And just one quick question, Paul. If people do want to get tickets for the Opera House, is it just through the Opera House website or how how's Yeah, uh, you can go to the Opera House website. I'll give, I'll give Yvonne, Yvonne a link here now. She can oh, yeah. share it. But also, some people don't like the technology. You can go physically into the Opera House and get them too. Um, they're, they're flying out the door a lot. There's um, down, downstairs, I think there's only like 40 odd left. Upstairs, there's a few left as well. I, I don't know, is there 200 left anyway? So they, okay. I didn't know much about how the Apple sells. They said most of the tickets sell in the last month. We're yeah. now in the start, the start of February. So it's looking good. So anyone who's interested in going, uh, if tickets are sold up by the time you get this, reach out to us. Because, if you know, some people are traveling, but they can't make it here and there. I'm sure one or two will pop up here and there towards the end of the So that's what we said to each other, that like our plan is to sell it out at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. What we're saying to people is that some people have bought 10 and 15 and the people coming. But I say to people, if you bought 10 or 15, there's two or three not going, please let us know. Because what we don't want inside there is to have a thousand tickets sold and 700 sitting down. Yeah. So I told people, like, if you're not getting a ticket, we'll resell it to somebody else. So that's for any listeners here. If it's sold out by the time you get this, reach out, go on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, send us a message and we'll do our best to get you a ticket. Brilliant. Sounds great. Come here, Paul. Thanks very much. You were a wealth of information. You must be absolutely wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, no, you were great. Thanks, William. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And I wish you best luck with the podcast. For a All time. right. Thank you. Thanks, William. Bye-bye. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and if you received any value from the podcast at all, we would appreciate any shares. And if you also have a moment, please leave us a rating below. We would be truly grateful. Join us next time as we will explore more ways to redefine success, happiness and well-being on your terms. Until then, take care of yourself and each other. Thanks for tuning in.